Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. I woke up to the morning sky first. Oh, yes, sir. And yes, ma'am, you had better. Let's get them up, get them going. It is a beautiful Tuesday in Austin, Texas. There's going to be a beauty. 47 degrees right now. Should be bright and sunny and uh, kind of perfect for this 6th of February today. Make a plan to get up and outside today. Maybe lunch outside somewhere. Put the top down if you've got that uh, option. It's going to be a beauty of a day for sure as we get you rolling five days to the Super Bowl. Talk plenty of uh, Super Bowl 58 today. They had their their Super opening night last night. All the festivities and all the questions and answers and conversation as they'll get to work uh, in earnest today and start drilling down for the big game on Sunday. But, yeah, they had the uh, big festivities last night to open up the uh, the Super Bowl conversation. Also, Roger Goodell, the league's commissioner, held his annual State of the League press conference, which is weird as on a Monday. Normally that's uh, Wednesday or Thursday when all the assembled media can gather, but uh, this one was early in the week. Get it out of the way, and uh, we'll hear from the commissioner as well on the state of his league. Uh, some big stories coming out of that as well. So we've got a lot to do football-wise. Also talk some Longhorn football. We've got, obviously, a lot of basketball. Another another night, another upset in the Big 12 Conference last night. It is uh, kind of must-see TV right now, watching what's going on in the Big 12 Conference. Whereas we told you yesterday, uh, coming in to play last night, the top 12 teams in the Big 12, top 12. There's only 14 teams in the conference, top 12 teams separated by just two games in the loss column. As we uh, really get into the meat of the, the February schedule now, we will preview Longhorns are back in action tonight uh, over at Moody Center. We'll preview their big game, their sixth straight matchup against a ranked opponent coming your way this evening here in the ATX. Texas women are up to number seven in the uh, AP Top 25 after their great week last week. So we've got a lot to do. be a busy five hours, and our five-hour morning-by-morning conversation begins right now. We appreciate you being there. Wherever you find us, could be on 101.9 on the FM dial, maybe on AM 1260, of course, and also digitally on that uh, so easy to use horn app make sure you download it to your smartphone touch of a button you got us locked in and loaded each and every day each and every uh, morning here on hook them up with e and rod b that horn app so easy to use also at hornfm.com uh and if we told you yesterday uh, rod babers is uh, having his wisdom teeth taken out actually he had them extracted yesterday we got a nice text from rod about uh, almost lunchtime that he'd gone in and uh, he was already back home before lunch and was resting and uh, plans to be back tomorrow at uh, 6 a.m. to join us for our Wednesday edition of Hook 'Em Up. So uh, Rod will be out again today. We've got some great guests to come your way. Uh, our buddy Mike Craven will join us in the back end of the show to hang out with us. Uh, but Ty Henderson is back at the Horn headquarters uh, holding things down at uh, on the banks of 360 there. What's going on, Ty? You, you all good this morning? Yep. Well rested. Doing good. Well rested. Got a trip right, well, starting good. tomorrow. So, Yeah, you are out starting tomorrow. So Rod's going to return tomorrow. By the way, I, I, I think Rod's going to return tomorrow. We did, I did talk. We had our, our station meeting yesterday, Ty, and several people who have had their uh, wisdom teeth extracted were, con- were uh, concerned that Rod wouldn't be back, that maybe that uh, will, will be, he, might, he might feel okay, but can he talk for five hours starting tomorrow? We'll see. Uh, Rod seems to think, and his, his, uh, his oral surgeon seems to think he should be good to go uh, from the work that they, were, that they did yesterday. So we'll see. But uh, you, Rod will be coming back tomorrow. You are headed off on a trip, which uh, – you're going to Mardi Gras, is that right? I am. I am. Um, I've mentioned that my girlfriend, she's from New Orleans, so I'm going to go meet her parents and, and do do Mardi Gras the local way. Oh, so you're going to be in NOLA uh, for Mardi Gras uh, into, you know, when, when's Fat Tuesdays? That's coming up next Tuesday, right? 
Yeah, I'd, so I will not be there for the actual. I think we're leaving on Mardi Gras Day, which is Monday, and then yes, Fat Tuesday mm-hmm. is uh, uh, our obviously the start of Lent and all that is on Valentine's Day, February the fourteenth of next week. We'll launch. Uh, the, they'll have the big Mardi Gras celebration, so that should be a lot of fun. You'll, you will be there. Have you, you know, we found out when uh, we went to, to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans that uh, New Orleans is among your favorite cities, if not your favorite. Have you ever done Mardi Gras at New Orleans? Of course. I've, uh, I went my, oh, okay. my freshman year of college and, my, and my, what was supposed to be my senior year. It was really just my, my third sophomore year. Um, and so I, I always have a good time. I've gone and done it on Bourbon a bunch of times, and she's uh, informed me that I guess doing Mardi Gras on Bourbon Street is like hanging out on 36th Street in Austin every single night. So <laughs> I think I'll, I'll get a whole new perspective on things this trip. Yeah, that is uh, – well, and you're going to do it with your girlfriend and her parents, so it might be a little more subdued than you were oh, as a I'm freshman gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to put on a show. <laughs> you could have to hide, hold back a little bit? Yeah, no, I'm not – I mean, they're, they're, they're not, you know uh, – Bible beaters or anything like that. They're fun parents, so I, I'm sure we'll have a good time, but I'm definitely not going to be... Bible beaters? <laughs> I'm not going to be uh, peeing my pants on Bourbon Street or anything like that this trip. Come on, man. We, we need your stories. That's what we live by. I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure I'll have some Roger. good stories. It is Mardi Gras. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, though. Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, I think we told the story here on Hook'em Up uh, from the Sugar Bowl that when we went to the game, of course, we went out there for the uh, Longhorn game with Washington in the college football playoff, but also to ring in the new year. And uh, my son, who you uh, ha- who works at the radio station from time to time, runs the board and does some work at the Horn, uh, he's uh, 22 years old. He came with us because he wanted to be a part of it. He'd never done NOLA as a, uh, as a 21-plusser. And uh, yeah, what do you know, he ran into you the first night there and ended up uh, pretty, much pretty sick all day the next day. Thanks a lot for that, by the way. Appreciate that. No problem. My son's on. <laughs> I said you must have run into Ty. You, you, you're not feeling very hey, well. Hey, he, he, he did text me on New Year's Eve, too, so he must have not had that bad of a time. He had a great time, but uh, yeah, he learned his lesson from you, just like you know, funneling hurric- hurricanes his way. He didn't even know what was in it, uh, and, and he didn't didn't eat. So, but he had a good time. So he, but he got the Thai treatment. He got the Thai treatment, which l- l- locked him up in the hotel room the whole next day, uh, as we were getting ready for the uh, the new year and the Sugar Bowl and all the went down there. But uh, Ty headed back tomorrow. Our man Brock will be in the house uh, tomorrow to uh, to crank this thing up, and Rod will be back. But we got a lot to do today, as we said. Uh, let's start the show as uh, Rod always does, rightfully by thanking those who serve. Uh, we get up every morning talk sports and have a good time with you all those who get up and listen and uh, are going to serve a first responder um, out there running into trouble as it happens also uh, doctors nurses teachers all those that get up and serve our community we thank you so very much each and every day and as we always tell you on the text line 512-447-3776 you'd like to give a shout out to someone close to you who's in a uh, service position and you'd like to get them a shout out here on hook them up we will certainly pass that along who doesn't get the credit that they deserve uh, we will certainly do that. 512-447-3776. Big first hour coming up. Bottom of this hour, uh, we'll check in with our buddy Ari Temkin of uh, Sirius XM's Big 12 today on uh, Sirius XM covering the Big 12. And we'll also obviously talk Big 12 basketball. Another upset last night we'll tell you about here in the headlines. The Longhorns right in the mix. I mean, how do you sort this thing out? Ari will help us with that as he covers the conference on a, uh, on a conference-wide basis on the daily at uh, Sirius XM. So we'll talk to Ari coming up. Also have some what the facts. We'll hear from uh, some of the conversation from Super Bowl opening night last night in Vegas. Let's start the show with the headlines. But first, I, I woke up to this, Ty. I don't know if you saw with the, tech, uh, the country music star Toby Keith has died overnight, uh, 62 years old. 
I was just talking to Eric Raines about it here in the studio. Yeah, it's ooh, I'm sure sad. Eric Raines had some stories. I mean, uh, Toby Keith, of course, Longhorn fans will know him as an Oklahoma fan, but still he is a, a legend in country music, only 62 years old, uh, had a diagnosis of, of stomach cancer, uh, I think, over the summer. But according to his family, he passed away peacefully last night, surrounded by his family. Uh, fought with grace and courage. Please respect his, the privacy of the family at this time. But Toby Keith uh, passed away. What did Eric Raines have to share? Of course, Eric Raines, uh, the chief over there at uh, Coke FM, uh, country music, uh, part of our, our sister station there. What did uh, E. Raines have to say? Oh, he just he he mentioned uh, he's like, did you see? And I was like, oh, I hadn't even thought because I knew he was sick, but I, I didn't re- realize that it had gotten bad. Uh, he asked me if I if I knew any Toby Keith. Obviously, I did. I rattled off a few songs for him uh, there, and, and then I I agreed to uh, you know honor him and play a few uh, play a few Toby Keith songs as bumpers today. So we should probably all day today. Uh, without a doubt. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think the remember first big Toby Keith song I remember is that well, it should have been a cowboy. Is that it? Uh, should have been a cowboy was his big hit that really launched him. Top the charts, one of the most played songs of the 1990s, uh, if I remember correctly. And, uh, yeah, the last time I saw Toby Keith in person, not in person, but just saw him, he, he was looking quite skinny and didn't look great, obviously, battling stomach cancer. Uh, what, a, what a terrible you know, that terrible disease, and, um, you know, I have it a, surprised me, though, when I woke up and saw that this morning. I have a core memory of being in my in my uncle's truck when I was probably in late elementary school, early middle school, and him putting on as good as I once was and saying, this this is how uh, I feel. Know, yeah, this is how song. I feel now. <laughs> so, he's, he's, very, the, he's a lyricist, I will say that. He does a great job. All right, so we'll tell some stories, your Toby Keith stories this morning. Of course, uh, born in Clinton, Oklahoma. Um, was a football player growing up, and uh, you know, see, used to see him on the uh, the Sooner sidelines quite a bit. Saw him at the Texas OU game a couple times, uh, going covering that event. So, uh, yeah, very sad news to start the morning with Toby Keith uh, passing at the age of uh, the very young age of 62. Uh, all right, let's get to the other headlines. Oh, trending topics to start your Tuesday morning. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top news, and it starts with the Super Bowl, of course. And, yeah, the Chiefs and 49ers in Vegas now held their first on-field workouts yesterday. Kansas City is the home team for Super Bowl 58, so they're practicing at the Vegas Raiders state-of-the-art brand-new practice facility. The 49ers, meanwhile, are practicing over at the UNLV campus. Early yesterday, reports surfaced from 49ers players that their practice surface they were working on a little bit soft and uh, as they went through their walkthroughs. But last night, uh, 49ers uh, coach Kyle Shanahan at the Super Bowl opening night said his team does not intend to alter where or how they will practice this week. They'll make do over at UNLV. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell announced yesterday in Vegas at his State of the League press conference that the Philadelphia Eagles will host the league's first ever game in Brazil week one of the 2024 regular season. game will take place on Friday night, September the 6th at Corinthians Arena in Sao Paulo, Brazil. That hosted multiple games in the 2014 World Cup. Uh, Their opponent in kickoff time will be announced at a later date. In college hoops, another night, another upset in the Big 12. Kansas State guard Tyler Perry scored eight of his 26 points in overtime as the Wildcats took down fourth-ranked Kansas 75-70 on Big Monday in Manhattan. That was the 300th all-time matchup of the in-state rivals, and the Wildcats get the win there. Uh, four games on that Big 12 schedule tonight, including one right here in Austin. Texas plays host to 15th-ranked Iowa State. It'll be the Longhorns' sixth straight game against a ranked opponent. They've gone 3-2 and two so far in the brutal Big 12 uh, stretch. Uh, game tips at 7 o'clock tonight. We'll get a full preview of that one. That'll be at the Moody Center. Also tonight, Houston hosts uh, Oklahoma State. BYU's at OU, and in Waco, big win in 13th-ranked Baylor 
Post 23rd ranked Texas Tech. Yesterday, Texas guard Max Aismas was named the Big 12's Newcomer of the Week by the Big 12 for the third time this year. He afforded help spearhead the Longhorns' big win in TCU on Fort Worth this past Saturday. The graduate transfer from Oral Roberts is now 13th all-time on the Division I men's career scoring list with 2,955 points. He went past Danny Manning on that list this past Saturday. He's now just 18 points behind the great Oscar Robertson. Also from Texas Hoops, during a Zoom availability yesterday, Longhorn head coach Rodney Terry revealed that former Texas guard and three-time EuroLeague champion Doge Balbe has been working with the program since he retired from professional basketball in December. Balbe played three seasons for the Longhorns. You'll remember from 2008 to 2011, he was one of the best defenders in the Big 12 in all of college basketball during his career. Texas says Balbe does not have a title and is not an official member of the staff or athletic department, but is coming to work with uh, Terry's program in a support capacity. One score from the NBA last night, Mavericks topped the Joel Embiidless 76ers in Philly, 118-102. And from baseball, the Kansas City Royals and their young shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. have agreed on a new 11-year, $288 million contract extension. This becomes the largest contract in Royals franchise franchise history for the 23-year-old Texan who is entering just his third year in the league. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net. We'll shoot you straight. All right, so there's your headlines, and has got a lot of rest in peace to Toby Keith's coming in on the text line. You can certainly uh, pass yours along at 512-447-3776. And uh, as we said, Ari Temkin from SiriusXM's Big 12 Today and Big 12 Radio will join us coming up here at the bottom of the hour with Rod Babers out again today. He'll return tomorrow. Uh, all right, Ty, let's fire up some of this audio from, uh, from the NFL. I want to start with this one, though, because Dan Quinn – uh, in Washington yesterday, Dan Quinn, of course, the former Cowboys defense coordinator the last three years, who hired, was hired by the Washington Commanders to be their new head coach. He has hired Joe Witt Jr., the former Cowboys secondary coach, to be his defensive coordinator as the Cowboys now begin their search for uh, his replacement. We'll talk more about that coming up with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys plan at, uh, at the defensive side. Uh, but Dan Quinn, uh, interesting, uh, one of the stories that percolated late yesterday was um, Eric Bieniemy the former Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, were under Andy Reid, who took the job in Washington this past year to run the Washington offense. Well, you know, Dan Quinn announced that uh, Biennemi will not be retained and that they were moving on to Cliff Kingsbury uh, to be the new uh, man in charge of the Washington offense. Of course, we know Washington has the second pick in the draft, so there were, the assumption is they will draft a quarterback there. We talked yesterday about you know, Cliff Kingsbury's familiarity with uh, Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. You know, could there be some type of trade in the works where Washington moves up ahead of Chicago uh, to take Caleb Williams because the, the Caleb Williams camp has indicated that they're not real high on Chicago, maybe don't want to play there. So we'll, we'll see. All that said, uh, let's hear Dan Quinn. He was asked about uh, his familiarity with Cliff Kingsbury and why the former Arizona Cardinals and Texas Tech head coach, uh, former New Braunfels, New Braunfels uh, uh, Canyon quarterback, uh, is the right guy to run this uh, Washington offense and then uh, be in charge there. Cliff has always been somebody that I've kept up with. Years ago, we both coached in college and then competed against each other. I certainly followed his career in the same way of why I wanted to hire Kyle years ago. Like, he was hard to go against, going against Cliff. Those same feelings you had. This is going to be tough. Matchups, formation, <coughs> speed, shots down the field, aggressiveness, boldness to go. As a coach, you were writing down some names, if this is something in your future, that said, if I get that shot this is somebody i would want to talk to cliff is very, very interesting from dan quinn there when he says kyle he's talking about kyle shanahan ty 
when he got the job in Atlanta. Of course, Dan Quinn was in charge of the Legion of Boom defense with uh, Pete Carroll when the Seahawks went to back-to-back Super Bowls and won one of them. Then he got the, uh, the job in, in Atlanta and immediately hired Kyle Shanahan. And obviously we know the history now of the Shanahan coaching tree with his father and uh, as, as Rod calls it, the Mick Shanahan uh, coaching tree because of Sean McVay. And they all kind of come, are all disciples of that, that, that offense, which is, which is the, the trendy offense and the in vogue offense in the NFL today. Uh, but how about that, Ty? Talking about uh, Cliff Kingsbury in the, uh, the same conversation, like Kyle Shanahan, that he thinks he can be one of those kind of offensive coordinators. We know that people, you know, point out that, uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury has kind of failed up, right? Didn't win a lot of football games at Texas Tech, even with Patrick Mahomes, and ended up, uh, you know, getting let go and fired, but then landing as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, that didn't go great either with the drafting of Kyler Murray. Uh, I would say for Cliff Kingsbury in that Arizona situation, uh, he didn't do a great job there, but at the same time, that was a pretty toxic situation. You know, the, you know, his general manager had to step aside because of battles with alcohol. The owner is a mess there in Arizona. It's not all Cliff there, but at the same time, Cliff didn't, uh, you know, excel as a head coach in the NFL. But uh, a lot of people, including Rod, myself, I think you too, Ty, and you just heard Dan Quinn say it, I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury just in charge of the offense, working with quarterbacks, um, you know, developing plays and, uh, and leading this, the offensive scheme. Uh, can be a can be a weapon, and this is somebody the Cowboys are going to have to deal with twice a year in Washington. Now, your thoughts, my friend? I think if he doesn't have to do, deal with you know personnel or recruiting like he did in college, obviously he doesn't have to do that in the NFL. And uh, I mean defense, I, I, I think it, he, it could be it could work very well. I mean he's yeah. proven to be a, a good quarterback coach, and uh, I mean have some some next level offensive schemes. So I think I think it's a good hire. Yeah, well, think about it. His star was born really with Johnny Manziel with Texas A&M uh, back in the day when Johnny Manziel took college football by storm on the field and off the field. Uh, but Cliff Kingsbury was a part of that offensive staff with Kevin Sumlin uh, that, you know, kind of launched him to the Texas Tech job. And, you know, it's funny. There, there was talk even when, when he was about to be let go for, you know, one of the years in Texas Tech when they were losing too many games in Lubbock that maybe there was a thought he was going to come to Austin and be the offensive coordinator for Texas. Uh, if he got let go as the head coach of, in, in Texas Tech. Uh, but, yeah, it does feel like this is his lane right now. Uh, be the offensive coordinator. Uh, they're going to draft a quarterback, number two overall, or as I said, maybe one. We'll see. If it's Caleb Williams, he already knows Caleb uh, from the time at USC this past year, if you uh, weren't aware. Cliff Kingsbury was the, uh, the special assistant to head coach Lincoln Riley there at USC, working specifically with the quarterback. So, you know, he is a quarterback guy, played quarterback himself. And, yeah, I think just in charge of that side of the ball – and, uh, you know, like Kyle Shanahan was when he got to Atlanta with Dan Quinn, let Dan Quinn run the defense and the team. Joe Witt Jr. will run the D. And um, those two could work uh, pretty, pretty well together uh, if they get the quarterback pick right. I mean, obviously that's the key. They've got to get the right guy uh, at that spot. They do have Sam Howell there, the, uh, the other young quarterback out of North Carolina. Uh, interestingly, the, uh, the, the, if Caleb Williams goes number one to Chicago, the second pick is likely to be Drake May, the quarterback from North Carolina. So you could have two Carolina signal callers there. Or some people like Jaden Daniels there, Ty, uh, the LSU Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, and I know you're high on him. I mean, his, uh, his stock has soared since winning the Heisman. And, uh, the, you know, the, the folks are going back watching the tape, watching the film, watching his development as a passer and a runner, really a dynamic player. Which one of those two guys do you favor, Drake May uh, after Caleb Williams, Drake May or Jaden Daniels? Um, I think Drake May is a Justin Herbert kind of guy. I mean, he yeah, big. It's funny if you saw the pictures of him. And I, I mentioned this yesterday. That he was at the Carolina basketball game Saturday night. Uh, there they played Duke. Of course, it was the big primetime game, and uh, Drake May was there, and Sam, and so was Sam Howell. How much bigger and do you look than Sam Howell? Oh my gosh! I mean, he looked Sam like Howell's he a little, a smaller quarterback. 
But yeah, they're standing next to each other in a picture I saw, and, you know, the angle could have been a little, a little you know, quirky. But, I mean, he looked to be a foot taller than Sam Howell. I mean, he really did. He towered over the current Washington quarterback. And so we'll see. But, yeah, uh, we'll see Cliff Kingsbury now in Washington. So if you're a Cowboys fan, uh, well, that's what you're dealing with. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Dan Quinn, his familiarity with the, the Cowboys roster now. We know in Philadelphia the Eagles have added Kellen Moore to run their offense, and along with Vic Fangio to run the defense. Cowboys, meanwhile, uh, obviously need a defensive coordinator at this point, and we'll see. They're expected to interview uh, the likes of Mike Zimmer this week, uh, Mike Vrabel. Um, it's possible Ron Rivera, of course, uh, reports that he interviewed yesterday. So uh, Jerry Jones promising a home run hire. A couple other uh, thoughts from uh, the NFL and Super Bowl uh, Saturday night. Or, uh, Super Bowl Saturday night. Uh, Super Bowl opening night last night that they had. Uh, I wanted to play this from Kyle Shanahan. This is interesting because we've told the story and we've actually played on this show the Jed York uh, audio. Jed York's the owner of the 49ers, and he told the story last week that Kyle Shanahan – you know, a couple of years ago told him that uh, Brock Purdy might be their best quarterback. And this is when Brock Purdy was the third-string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, drafted with the last pick of the seventh round of the draft, uh, last pick of the total draft. And But they already had Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance as their quarterbacks. And, you know, he drops the knowledge on his owner that, hey, man, this, this Brock Purdy kid might be our best. And we played yesterday. John Lynch, the general manager, said his jaw was on the floor because it's not something you say to the owner who's invested big money in Garoppolo and they gave up a lot of draft picks to get Trey Lance. Uh, I don't think the owner wants to hear that. Let's hear somebody obviously ask Kyle Shanahan about that last night at uh, Super Bowl opening night. Here's how that went with Kyle Shanahan talking about his early impressions of his now starting quarterback. Well, it's, it's, it's funny to hear Jed say that because it wasn't the smartest moment I've ever had. I mean, when an owner comes in after training camp practices and it's like, Hey, how's the quarterback? And he, what he means is the starter yeah. or the second. And you and irritation go, I don't know, but our third guy's the best. Like, that's not what he wants to hear. So that's why he remembers it very strong. But that was just more, Brock was so good right away with every rep he got. He was always the same. And he only got a couple of them. So it was, it was easy for me to say. Because in his few reps, he was the best. But if you know that for a fact, I mean, then you do what you do right away. But he was the best, and but you ease that on. And every time he got a little more reps, it was the same as when he got two. And so when it was all said and done and he got a lot of playing time, I was like, oh, this looks exactly like what I told you when I was irritated. And he only had three reps. And I said, no, he's the best. But that's what was so real about Brock. That's why after his seven games, his rookie year, even when he got hurt, we knew what we had because he'd been that way in practice every day. And... It was the exact same way in the games. All right, so Kyle Shanahan uh, spotting that early that Brock Purdy had something something uh, going. Speaking of Brock Purdy, can we hear this tie as well? Brock Purdy was asked, and um, I think I think you know the Brock Purdy debate is is has become a rage. You know, is he? You know, I, what I find interesting with the Brock Purdy debate, and we talked about it a lot yesterday in our eight o'clock hour. Uh, you know, the kind of almost the, the vitriol around Brock Purdy that we can't just you know call him is he a game manager is he a, you know whatever his role is but it's also like people I mean I root like heck for Brock Purdy as an underdog I mean this is the last pick of the draft normally we root for guys like this that are a great story instead there does seem to be a lot of disdain for Brock Purdy for whatever reason and the you know people are trying to give him too much credit I think he's really really good you just heard Kyle Shanahan his coach who's one of the better developers and identifiers of quarterbacks in his league say Pretty early on, he, he separated from our other quarterbacks who were making a lot more money than he was at the time and getting a lot more reps. But uh, here's Brock Purdy, just humbled to be where he's at and be a part of this football team in this run. 
I mean, the bottom line is like life isn't about you. Like that's what I believe. You know, um, being a part of something bigger than yourself. Um, you know, you get wrapped up in getting all the glory and the fame and the status. It's I feel like that's a shallow life, and um, that that can you know fade away pretty quickly. So for me, it's you know obviously yeah we're playing the Super Bowl. I'm very honored and thankful. I want to win a championship for this organization, but more than anything, I'm you know trying to just serve my guys on this team well and, and love on them well and the whole organization and everyone in my life. That's that's how I view it. So. All right, pretty humble perspective right there. Nice, uh, nice to hear from Brock Purdy. He's not going to get caught up in the moment. And uh, uh, he was asked, uh, Ty, that you know, do you need a new name? Do you still do you mind being called Mister Irrelevant because that's his nickname because of uh, being the last pick of the draft? And he said, No, I'm good with it. I'm good with Mister Irrelevant. You guys can go talk to the other guys, the stars on this team. I'll just sit over here and uh, and uh, and talk. Obviously, the biggest star last night, Ty, and we'll hear this later, was Travis Kelsey. Obviously, I mean, rarely does a tight end become the throng of media, right? It's usually the quarterbacks and Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh, but man, last night, if you saw some of this coverage on NFL Network, uh, because of his girlfriend and because of what's going on, uh, it, it, everybody wanted to talk to Travis Kelsey last night. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Did he talk well, ball or did he talk about his girlfriend? Well, that's the thing, right? It wasn't that because it's not even just the NFL media. Obviously, it's the the entertainment tonight's and the TMZs and everybody because because Travis Kelsey was not at the Grammys on Sunday night to to see his uh, girlfriend win a couple of couple more Grammys, including album of the year. So we'll hear Travis Kelsey that's talking be about distracting, that. Distracting, right? Like for the team. Yeah. And not just him. It's got to be the most distracting for him, but the team. Well, look, I'll say this. I mean, people, a lot of people, including you, said it was distracting during the regular season when they weren't playing great. Uh, but obviously, in the last you know, during the playoffs, he's been outstanding, and I think he's a pro's pro enough to to you know be able to handle and compartmentalize what goes on during the week and then the actual game. But obviously, yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey is the focal point of this game for the Chiefs. I mean, if you're the Niners, your game plan has to be we've got to do a better job than the Bills and the Ravens did early on the on Travis Kelsey. And we've got to make somebody else beat us. It, it can't be him. Uh, make one of these receivers. Make uh, Isaiah Pacheco beat us. We're not letting Travis Kelsey beat us. We'll talk about that as a strategy and a game plan. And as we sit here this morning, 625 on a Tuesday, the 49ers are still two-and-a-half-point favorites in this football game, and except uh, all signs point towards the Chiefs and never bet on Patrick Mahomes as an underdog in a big spot. Uh, but they still remain almost a field goal favorite in this game on Sunday. We'll take your thoughts. Uh, coming back, though, we'll talk some Big 12 basketball. Man, there's not a – outside of football and the big game, there's not a more scintillating conversation in sports right now than what's going on in the Big 12, uh, top to bottom, uh, night by night. And there are four games tonight, including Texas. We'll talk to our buddy Ari Temkin uh, from Sirius XM's Big 12 Radio, his thoughts on this wild conference and the upset last night of his Kansas Jayhawks by K-State, the Longhorns' chances in this conference. We'll talk to Ari coming next here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. And that is a great song, but sad to hear this morning the passing of Toby Keith at the age of 62 after a battle with stomach cancer. His family says he was with family last night and died uh, and passed surrounded by the ones who loved him most and uh, Toby Keith way too early and that was as I said earlier 
uh, really the first song I remember hearing. That's uh, who's that guy? That's a great song. That's Toby Keith, uh, who who passes away this morning. Sad news there. Hey, we'll get some what the facts for the top of the hour. Always fun segment uh, where you get smarter because you learn some facts about uh, things going on in the sports world and beyond. Also, it is a fact that Rod Babers is not with us again this morning. Rod will be back tomorrow. Rod's dealing with uh, wisdom teeth extraction. I had that yesterday, and as I mentioned, I did get a nice text from Rod that uh, he was already back home by lunchtime yesterday after the early morning operation and. He's back home resting. It should be good to go tomorrow, so we shall see. Ty Henderson is holding it down at the Horn headquarters, and we crank this thing up. We are going to – let me know when you got Ari on the line there, Ty, and we'll uh, bring him on and talk some college basketball uh, because it is a wild thing, man. As I, I mentioned on the way to the timeout, we, you know, Super Bowl is obviously – the NFL is always going to be the biggest story, but, you know, on this Tuesday morning and, and really in the entire sports landscape, I don't think there's a more dynamic conversation to have and, and, and you know, you know – good sports conversation about the, than what's going on in the Big 12. And with Big 12 basketball, we kind of knew it would be when the season began, uh, with the, especially with the addition of the new schools in BYU and Houston and Central Florida and you know, adding to what was already a great basketball conference. Uh, and it, uh, as we sit here on the, you know, the 5th, 6th of February, it is such a uh, – I mean, who knows? Who knows who's going to win the Big 12 right now? As I said, two, two games in the loss column separate number one through number 12 right now in the Big 12 conference. Last night in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, K-State, who's down there uh, along with the Longhorns, you know, at four and five, they picked up one of those huge wins. They beat Kansas last night uh, in the 300th all-time meeting between Kansas and Kansas State. They get the win in overtime uh, to get the victory there. So they move to five and five in Big 12 play. Um, and meanwhile, Kansas falls to six and four. So, you know, case, you know, even though Kansas came in as number four in the country in the Big 12, Kansas State's now just that game back of the Jayhawks in this, this, this juggernaut of a conference. Uh, we've also got uh, the Houston Cougars sitting alone now atop that uh, Big 12. Uh, that is, uh, that's at 6-3. Uh, and three. All right, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline and check in with our man Ari Temkin, who I'm sure was uh, eagerly watching that overtime thriller in Manhattan last night. Uh, he is the Kansas Jayhawk and our great friend. What's up, Ari? How are you, bud? Morning, E. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm just, as I mentioned, I, I, you know, we, we cover sports. And right now, the, the obviously, the NFL and the Super Bowl is the biggest sporting topic. I don't know that there's a better sporting topic outside of the NFL than what's going on in this conference right now. Yeah, I mean, it's high-level basketball. And, you know, it's, I think a lot of people just look at the, you know, basketball and college basketball at large, and, and you know, it's something you kind of put off until Super Bowl and NFL season's done. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's heating up. And, you know, as you said, K-State had lost four straight, and Kansas looked really good against Houston on Saturday. And, you know, that's just kind of the life of the Big 12. You know, you get two days and turn around, you got a big matchup. So um, it's going to be a crazy run to the finish. Ken Palm projected Kansas to finish 10-8, and eight, which just speaks to the strength of this conference more than anything. 10-8, yeah. I mean, I mean, is there any way to predict? I mean, we, we, we'll talk about who you think the top team is, maybe the you know, pound for pound the best team that you've seen. But, um, you know, how, how many teams out of this conference can actually get into the NCAA tournament, do you believe, when we get to March? Because it is, as I said, two games in the loss column separates 1 to 12 in this conference right now. It's a uh, no nights off for sure. Is there any way to know? Is it 9? Is it 10? Is it, is it more than that? Yeah, I mean, I think the number that I've heard right now would be about eight, um, you know, with, with, let's just say, West Virginia and Oklahoma State at this point, you know, certainly out. I think UCF is probably out, um, you know, so and then, then you start to kind of walk your way up from there. But it's going to be competitive for those final spots for sure. 
It is high-level uh, high level basketball. Before I get into the Texas game with Iowa State tonight here at Moody Center, part of a four-game Big 12 schedule this evening, uh, you know, you're, you're, you have a keen eye for basketball. You're a big basketball fan, having gone to Kansas and covering uh, that sport. Uh, which team do you look at and think is the most complete? Have you, have you seen one that you think, okay, on their, you know, on, on their best night, this is the best team in the Big 12? Yeah, I mean, it, it's the way Texas finished against TCU the other night. You know, I mean, that – Hard to argue against that. I mean, I think Houston has played as well as anybody in the conference. You know, and then they, they slipped up when they go to Lawrence, like a lot of teams do on Saturday. But, I mean, I think from a defensive perspective, you know, Houston and Iowa State are probably at the top of the conference. UCF has been a very elite defensive team. Um, you know, Baylor, I'm not sure we've seen the best of Baylor. I think, you know, offensively, this team has been, the program has been really, really good, consistent, but... Um, defensively, that was their big flaw last year, and um, I think they've shown to be better defensively this year. But how you know elite can they be? That's a major question. Texas Tech has probably been the biggest surprise so far of conference play. Um, they did you know have a ha- have the loss to Cincinnati, big win for them on Saturday. But that's just kind of I mean that's life of the Big Twelve. It's get I mean it's it's not very clean as you mentioned. E. I mean three losses for Houston already. You know, and that's the top of the conference. Kansas was there with them at six and three until they lost last night without four losses. So, you know, the the question's gonna be how many losses is the champion of this conference gonna have? Six or seven? Yeah. And then well, you look I mean, at it, Kansas already has four with nine to play, eight to play. <laughs> yeah. They're only halfway through and they've got four. And Baylor and Texas Tech will play tonight in Waco. They're both five and three. Someone's gonna take a fourth loss in that game. Both teams are, are great at home, and uh, you know that's that. You mentioned the Longhorns, and I, I think what we saw against TCU in that last you know five minute stretch with Max Aismas, even in the Houston game at times, this team when they put it all together and get going, man, they're they're as good as anybody. Uh, but they they have those three home losses, Ari, that are they're kind of kind of sticking to them right now. Texas Tech beat them early, Central Florida, and then Houston. Got to win your home games, including tonight against Iowa State. But uh, how high do you think the ceiling can be for Texas and Rodney Terry? Because one of the things I've talked about with our audience is, you know, having to insert Dylan DeSue into this lineup right before conference play began was a real challenge because he's such a focal point of what they do, and they didn't get to work together with all the new players, you know, until they are almost into conference play. And I would, I would guess that's part of the reason they started 1-3 and three in Big 12 play. They are starting to figure it out. And what we saw at the end of that uh, TCU game, uh, that's a team that can win a lot of basketball games right there with Max Aismas making plays and playing good defense with Dylan Mitchell on the one end. And, you know, Mac, you know as far as offensive firepower, DeSue and, and Aismas might be the best offensive combination in the conference. Yeah, I mean, what we saw with Aismas, uh, you know, on Saturday was everything you, you thought you would see this season. I mean, it was 64-64, and he won an own personal 9-0 run that basically won the game and put the game to bed. With that, you know, with that drive and, and layup, and then the the two consecutive threes he hit, it was, you know, it was incredible. I mean, I think a few things with UT. You know, first off, you start with their interior. You know, Shedrick just getting healthy now has been a huge difference maker. He's the type of player you can't really look at at his box score to figure out the kind of impact he's having in a game. I mean, he's you know he's active. He's he's keeping balls alive in terms of offensive rebounds. He's on the glass. He's blocking shots. He's I mean, he's, he, I, I, I think you're not really sure what you're missing until you see how good of an impactful player he could be. And I think, you know, with DeSue and Shedrick out for such a, you know, a, a large portion of the beginning of the season, there's no question that's the reason that they struggled so much in the, you know, the beginning of their schedule. 
And now that they're healthy and, and to your point, now starting to figure things out you know, about who they are and how to play together, you know, suddenly they're starting to figure out who they are and, and be the best, best version of themselves. But they're tough to figure out because they're so up and down. I mean, they, you know, they lost those two games. Then they come back. They have the two big wins. And so you're feeling good. And then they lose to BYU and, and Houston in back-to-back games. And, you know, I mean, Houston's a tough one. That's, that's not going to be an easy win. And, and any road game is going to be tough. You know, and BYU shot lights out. And that's a tough one to, to account for. And then, then they come back and beat TCU. So if the pattern holds, they'll have a win tonight, you know, and then have a disappointing loss to West Virginia. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But Iowa State's a really good team. They're a different team at home than they are on the road. Um, they're a much better team at home, as most teams are. And um, it's an elite defensive team that's playing really good basketball right now. So it should be a really fun game tonight. There, there's a lot of good games tonight in college basketball, but this is the best one. Yeah, I mean, uh, Iowa State, we mentioned, ba- Baylor plays Texas Tech tonight, and, and then Texas plays Iowa State 100 miles down here in Austin from Waco. And Iowa State and, and Baylor played a wild game on Saturday uh, with the technical fouls and, um, you know, throwing Scott Drew out of the game. I mean, ba- Baylor was comfortably in control of the game, and they almost lost it because of the uh, the officials. And Mac Rhodes, the AD at Baylor, was irate about the officiating. I mean, that was crazy. Uh, so yeah, both teams terrible. come in. Yeah, I mean, what did you think of that whole thing? We throwing him. Out. I mean, he wasn't in his coach's box. It was almost like the ref trying to get involved in this game, and you know, I guess he was barely over the line or whatever. And, and Scott Drew ends up getting two technicals and ejected, and then he gave a tech to the the assistant coach who stepped in for him. Yeah, Scott Drew had never been ejected before in a game. It goes to show you who's in the wrong here. You know, you know, a lot of times coaches when they get techs, you know, they're trying to, they're attempting to, you know, they want to get a tech whether it's to fire their team up or whatever, motivation, whatever it is. You know, and in this case, and Scott Drew said this after the game, like, I wasn't trying to get thrown out. You know, I mean, it, you, you've got you've got Shaka Smart, literally, and, and my, my co-host on Big 12 Radio yesterday, Matt McCall, former coach, said this. Like, you've got Shaka Smart out there, like, defending, closing out on shooters during the game, and he's throwing Scott Drew out for getting a little bit outside, like a foot outside the coaching box. It's ridiculous. Um, it, it it felt like it was officiating that was trying to show up the game. And, I mean, you never have Scott Drew complaining after games. But the fact that he did, the fact that Mac Rhodes said something, you never have a winning team complaining about the calls after a game. Rarely. It's usually a losing team that complains about calls. The fact that it was the winning team shows you how bad and poorly officiated the game was. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy ending. It was um, Iowa State, Mom Chilovich, Really good offensive player. He he had three at the buzzer that he banked to that would have won the game, except that it came about a tenth of a second too late. And this was on the heels of Keyshawn Gilbert Bryant, which they think a shot basically in the same spot on the opposite end of the floor at halftime, the halftime buzzer. So it, 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 to your point, it, it, it was a crazy game on Saturday. And it, it, it could have gone either way, but I, I obviously went the way of Baylor. And, yeah, Scott Drew getting tossed for the first time ever in his career. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, that that you know, yeah, yeah. ref show, as we like to call that. I mean, we get out of the way. I mean, yeah. we say whether it's baseball, football, or, the, or, or basketball, if you know the, the best officials are not noticed, right? They're just part. Of, they just kind of blend into the game. They don't become part of the game. And yeah. we saw that happen. And it nearly cost Baylor a big home game uh, with all those technical fouls that allowed Iowa State Iowa State to get back in the game and, and dang near win that basketball game. So Iowa State comes in here tonight to the Moody Center, uh, the new arena. Obviously, in year two, Ari has really become a home court advantage for Texas, which is what they wanted. I'm imagining with a seven o'clock tip, it'll be a pretty raucous crowd and. Uh, good student section tonight. Uh, you mentioned Iowa State's different on the road than at home. What is the what are the keys for Texas to get a win tonight and build on what they did uh, in Fort Worth on Saturday? 
Yeah, they've got to get good offense. Iowa State is so elite defensively, and they have been under T.J. Otzelberger. And, I mean, they're not as good, I guess, as they've been the last couple of years. And that's I'm talking like top five defense. But still, I mean, that that's the, the part of this team you have to really look at at first. The other thing is this is a much better offensive outfit than, than what we've seen from Iowa State within recent history. Um, they've just got a lot more scores and Curtis Jones and Keyshawn Gilbert and Momchilovich, who's their kind of their primary scorer, along with Tame and Lipsy, their, their, their point guard. So a lot more offensive upside uh, for this team. They do struggle a little bit in the interior. So I think this, that's where, you know, DeSue has some advantages there um, going up against Robert Jones um, on the inside. Uh, but yeah, I mean, defensively, that's where they hang their hat. This is still a really good defensive team, despite again, not being at that, you know, top of the top level, but still being a really good defense with a lot more upside to go this season. So, um, but yeah, I mean, different again, different playing them at home than on the road. No question about it. And that's um, why we said Texas with three home losses. You got to protect your home floor in this conference. It is so close, and uh, you know the home road splits. Or you know, Texas has got three quad one road wins, which is incredible, right? At Cincinnati, at Oklahoma, and now at TCU. But they've got the three home losses. They've got to protect that floor tonight at Moody Center and get a win and uh, set up a, a matchup with West Virginia coming up this weekend. Because if they can win tonight, Ari, they get West Virginia Saturday. They can all of a sudden they're on a little three game win streak before they head down to Houston next week. Yeah, no, I mean, and look, it's, it's, they've been so up and down, and, and I think you mentioned this earlier, e, like they're just trying to figure out who they are. And, yep. you know, that's kind of where we are in college basketball today, where every team is just trying to figure itself out on the fly because of the transfer portal, because rosters are turning over so quickly. So, um, you know, I, I think, you know, there was a quick reaction, myself included, with, with this team after a two-game losing streak. And, you know, suddenly we've seen now the best version of themselves. And, like, that's, you know, what we've seen here is really good. With DeSue as an interior threat, you know, with Shedrick helping him out as well, kind of doing the stuff that he doesn't do best as active, you know, athleticism in the interior, plus with Ace Smith and, and, then, and then Tyrese Hunter. Um, I mean, that, that's, that's a great interior, you know, inside-outside option as you can possibly have. So um, this team obviously has a much higher ceiling than I think we thought after they lost two straight. Agreed. And you throw Dylan Mitchell into there. And I think he, I think Dylan Mitchell's the key because he is he's kind of a, uh, he, he's not a three, but he's not a four. He doesn't have the offensive game to play the wing, but he's so dang athletic that he can become around those guys you just mentioned. Just that uh, if he just plays defense and rebounds and makes that his focal point and uses athleticism, he can be an absolute factor uh, game by game. He's got to stop turning the ball over, but man, he's got that, that NBA skill set, at least athletically, that he can use to help with this basketball team. All right, fun game tonight. Uh, Seven o'clock tip from Moody Center. That's a great point, e, by the way, I'm Mitchell. That's a great point on Mitchell. And, and I'll just, all I'll say, I mean, the first half of that game against TCU, he was phenomenal. You know, Ace was, the second half was about Ace Smith, but the first half was all about Dylan Mitchell, how good he was. He was. And he, when he goes, they go. I think he's, I think you know what you're going to mostly get from Ace Smith and, and DeSue as far as the ball goes through them and your offense runs through them in a two man game. Uh, but then if Dylan Mitchell steps up and does 13 points, 11 rebounds, and two block shots like he had against TCU, that's the, the Dylan Mitchell that can help you win a lot of ball games. All right, Ari, thanks so much, my friend. Uh, appreciate you doing that, talking to Big 12 basketball. It's Sirius XM. Uh, Big 12 Radio is where you'll find Ari this morning and every morning. We appreciate him joining us, a uh, former colleague of ours and a great guy. Thank you, Ari. Appreciate it. Anytime. Be well. Take care, E.
All right, there you go. Yeah, he's uh, uh, one of the best, and yeah, he's bumming because his, his Jayhawks got beat last night. He's a Kansas guy, graduate, uh, and uh, they lost at Kansas State last night, and that's life in the Big 12. We'll come back with some What the Facts. Uh, we'll reset the headlines at the top of the hour, including the Super Bowl, uh, including all of the Big 12 conversation. Let's uh, keep it rolling here on a Tuesday. Hook him up with Ian Rod B. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 101.9 AM 1260. The Horn. Never see it coming. It just hits you by surprise. It's that cold place in your soul. And that fire in a ride makes you come together. Like wild horses when they run. Yeah, we will play Toby Keith as our bumper music this morning. Uh, woke up to the passing of the 62-year-old country music star. Sad to hear that, and uh, good job by Ty to bring that. It's time for our What the Facts segment. As I said off the top of the show, it is going to be a beautiful day uh, in Austin, Texas, without a doubt, so uh, make some outdoor plans if you need to. It's 42 degrees, a little crisp this morning, but, man, we'll rise up to about 67 degrees. Bright sunshine should be great, and then there's clouds coming in tomorrow and into the weekend, so this will be your sunniest of the days, so get, get outside, eat lunch outside, whatever you need to do. That is a fact as we get you rolling here. Uh, it is also a fact, I don't know if you saw this, Ty, that uh, the Kansas City Royals have inked a 23-year-old shortstop Bobby Witt Jr. to an 11-year, $288.8 million contract. Uh, so they're, they, they believe in their former second overall pick out of Colleyville Heritage High School. Of course, uh, has a famous father. And um, he becomes the largest Royals contract in, in history for a 23-year-old, uh, locking him up ahead of time, you know, don't want him to ever get to free agency, but knowing that this kid's going to play above his age, I thought that was pretty interesting to see out of baseball. We've seen the Astros and the Braves do this quite a bit where they, if they believe they have a young star, they get him locked up for the long haul. Astros did it with Jose Altuve, uh, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, uh, which is a smart way to go. If, if you can get the player to, to, to ink into that security, uh, Braves have done it at a very high level too. But uh, Bobby Witt Jr., the second overall pick in the draft when he came out, getting that 11-year deal. That's, what are you doing at 26, Ty? He's 23. He just thinks a $290 million deal. Nice for him. Clearly, I need to be doing more. <laughs> yes, clearly. Me too. I'm 51, but that's, uh, that's crazy. That's 23. He's got 11 years of $300 million coming his way, guaranteed, no matter what happens. Because uh, we've also seen the other side of that, Ty, where, uh, uh, what was it, the San Diego Padres gave the big money to uh, Tatis. Tatis Jr. Yeah, and it hadn't, it hadn't gone well, right? He had a motorcycle accident, had some other issues, and um, you know, if he can, if he can get his, you know, distractions under control, I think I still think he could be a very good. Player. I can too. I mean, because there's no doubt about the talent with Tatis, and because look, when you're going to give somebody that kind of money, I mean, it's got to be maturity, right? You're, that's your question: is they, are they mature enough to handle that? And I mean, it was the know, steroids not, first, and then the, yeah. the accident, like you were saying. I mean, it seems like it's Just something immature. new every month yeah. with him. Yeah, young and I mean, but you've well, the worst. The worst is Wander Franco and the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh yeah, well that one. That's a whole different animal. But yeah, though, I mean, when you have a talent like that, you do want to lock them up and make them a kind of a career. You know, someone who plays their their entirety of their career in your your uniform because they're going to be that good. But uh, the the Royals have done it with Bobby Witt Jr. All right, how about this tie in a year gambler? Um, this according to ESPN's Dave Purdom, Americans expect to bet. $23.1 billion on Super Bowl 58 in some way, right? Whether you're playing squares games at home, the shotgun board, uh, or you're you know, actually gambling and wagering or doing the underdog fantasy thing, whatever you're doing, uh, $23.1 billion. And here in our What the Fact segment all week, Ty, I'm going to give you a fact on what bets I think are, are, are going to hit here. Can I give you one? Sure. Can I, can I give you one? I'll give you one on a Tuesday. So when you break these down, right, you're looking for those, uh, those bets you can make. 
How about uh, if you're going to underdog fantasy, George Kittle higher than 49 and a half yards. George Kittle higher than mm. 49 and a half yards. And here's why. Let me just say why. The Chiefs play man coverage at a top five rate. So a lot of man coverage, right? Top five in the league, um, which, you know, San Francisco will be anticipating. And Kittle dominates man defense this season. He averages more than 22% more yards per game against man than zone. He's like the opposite of George of uh, Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey thrives against zone coverage because he's just so smart and under aware of how to find the pockets in his own defense and settle down in it, and then his quarterback finds him. George Kittle, because of his athleticism and overall speed, dominates man defense. His Chiefs play at a high rate. Uh, and all of Kansas City's linebackers rank outside the top 50 in coverage this year. So I'm going to take my first bet of the week is George Kittle over or higher than an underdog fantasy, 49 and a half yards. How about that? I'll consider that when I'm placing my wagers. I'm definitely going to place <laughs> probably upwards of 20. You know, yeah, I like to know, pick the Gator. I like to have, I mean, I like to, I, I like to have a national anthem bet, coin, coin toss, Gatorade, prop bets, you know, bet on the winner. This, this, is, this is my Super Bowl. And I haven't been betting the past few weeks, too, so I've been, been preparing for this. Well, good. I mean, this is your week. This is your week. But I'll be I, I giving you specifically these bets, but also our audience can you know, use them as they will. You're not going to hit them all, but what you're trying to do, especially with the you know, hires and lowers and in-game stats and, and those kind of things, is look for edges, right? I mean, look, Vegas knows all these stats, too, by the way. That's, so when they're setting the line at 49 and a half, I mean, you're not going to – and you might beat it by a lot, but at the same time, you know, but, but you're looking for those little – Little advantages, and that would be one I would give you. George Kittle may be able to have himself a game against this uh, this man, heavy man defense, and it's a really good defense. We'll hear from Steve Spagnuolo talking about it. As I said yesterday, it's amazing how these two teams have flipped roles from four years ago when they played at Super Bowl 54. It was the Chiefs as the high octane offense and big play explosion offense in you know Super Bowl 54. Niners were the stingy defense. It's flipped now. It's the Niners with the explosive offense. The Chiefs with the real stingy coverage and D. Looking forward to this game on Sunday. Also talk some more Texas basketball coming up. We'll hear more from Super Bowl's opening night last night. A lot of audio uh, to share with you from uh, the players, coaches, and all that went on in uh, Vegas last night. We'll get to all of it. We're just getting warmed up. We are one hour into our five-hour conversation this morning on Hook'em Up with uh, Ian Rod B. Rod will be back tomorrow from his uh, dental operation. We roll forward.